welcome to Staying with the Trouble. I'm Bishop James Jones, and in this podcast series, I'll be focusing on issues of poverty and exclusion in the city of Leeds with some of the people who are staying with those troubles. My guest in this episode is Mary Brennan, a social activist and long-term resident of Cross Green in Leeds. She tells me about her work alongside people experiencing poverty and the importance of the Leeds Poverty Truth Commission. Mary, I don't want to embarrass you now, but I've heard you described as the angel of Cross Green. So tell me about Cross Green. Uh, Cross Green is just a mile from the city centre of Leeds and it's an area of very mixed housing stock. There's some new housing association where some parts of some street have been taken, demolished and new housing put there. And then there's the beautiful big Victorian terrace through terrace properties that are four bedrooms and two rooms downstairs. So a lot of those have been converted into flats, houses and multiple occupancy. I went there 35 years ago. At that time, all the houses were just family houses. So that's been a, a big change for the area. There's good schools and it's just a good place to live. And and tell me about the people. Well, it can be quite transitional. People come and go. Right. Because a lot of the houses now are for the bigger houses are taken by refugees and asylum seekers. So there's one landlord that has quite a lot of properties and that's who he houses but it's very good. It's very good to the community and is a good landlord to the people that are in there, that are his tenants. But they stay while they are a refugee or asylum seeker. And then if they get the stay, they have to move out fairly promptly once they get the stay. I think they've got about three weeks. Mm. And this is the embarrassing part. Uh, why do they call you the angel? I've no idea. <laughs> I've no idea. I don't think I'm, I'm an angel. <laughs> um, but I think we've got a lot of good people working in the area. We have Rhea, Richmond Dill Elderly Action, this St Vincent's, um, this Mencap. We're surrounded by a lot of good people that help us keep our good work going. And what sort of projects do you get involved in? We've got a group that I'm a trustee of called Community Unity. And the things we do are like the Wednesday lunch at St Hilda's Church. Who's that for? The Wednesday lunch club is for anyone. And it's been going every Wednesday for 10 years. And it's a meal for the people that come. It's just about the people that come enjoying each other's company, very relaxed. Lots of soup and lots of laughter. (laughs) Not soup, we don't do soup. (laughs) But 
lots of banter. So whet our appetite and yeah. give us give us your best meal. What's your menu? Uh, as menu is, we try and give meat more sweets because it's quite an expensive commodity. So we use meat, casseroles, curries, cottage pies. For puddings, we have apple pie. Um, we have anything that's on offer at the time. Seasonal. Seasonal. <laughs> seasonal, whatever's seasonal and whatever's a good offer in the supermarket that week. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all about people being together. You but know. who invites them? Um, we invite them and it's word of mouth. We've never advertised it. We've been doing that for 10 years. And how many do you get? 30. And we've been doing that for 10 years. And do you charge them? No. So who pays for that? Um, we get funding through Community Unity for our Wednesday meal. I know that you are a Leeds Poverty Truth Commissioner. Mm -hmm. What is the Poverty Truth Commission? The Poverty Truth Commission is about people building their confidence at first, speaking about their own poverty, and then when they've told the stories and they feel strong enough to tell it in a room full of people, they will speak to the business leaders, heads of councillors, and tell how poverty has made their lives. And in that way, we're trying to find a solution to help people out of these ways of poverty that they're in. So uh, the Poverty Truth Commission is about listening to people and you learn from it. I learnt from it. And what have you learned? It's the way you listen. And you can't just listen to a person once and find any solutions. It's being consistent, i found, that is the most beneficial to people. Listening in the right way and building that relationship to be able to ask the questions that are difficult for people and difficult for people's dignity because I think some people feel like they've, they're failures because they've got in a bit of a cycle of poverty. So within that cycle, you have to look for a way to build into the lives, a way of getting out of the poverty. And the poverty is not just about not having enough money. No, no. Tell me about the other aspects th of poverty. I think parts of the poverty are that people can get very poor in spirit. Poverty in a lot of ways can bring people to step back from society and isolate themselves more. And does the Poverty Truth Commission invite those people to come to a public hearing and to speak about their situation? Yeah. It invites people that have had struggles in those situations, struggles in life. And it also invites people that have just really had a blip in life and can't get out of it through illness or some other way. And they find they can't navigate the benefit system 
alone and they need help that way and then there's people that have just lost the jobs and they can't find a way of getting into another job there's so many aspects that can set people back and do people find it easy to come forward and to speak at no. the commission meetings no i don't think people find it easy but they do come because i think most people realize that if they speak out it might be helping someone else and do you stand alongside them when they do this or yeah. i mean how does it work we stand alongside them or sit alongside them and you know some people might just want to sit one to one and then after some weeks may feel like they can sit with everyone and you know speak about so they how come the... more than once then though. oh yes yeah and how many people would be in these meetings it started off with about 10 people and then they were invited the business leaders you know, to listen to the stories and the lives and the problems. So it built up quite quickly. But to start with, it were just the people that were living in poverty or helping people that lived in mm. poverty. And do you think some solutions have been found? I think a lot of solutions have been found. I mean, people got in poverty because of the brown envelopes. You know, if it was from, if it were a bill or from the someone else, it were in a brown envelope. So we asked people to send all, you know, like council tax bills. So they want us frightening or DWP letters and so on. We asked them if they could put them in white envelopes. And then instead of hiding all the brown envelopes that were actually your bills and you weren't facing things, you know, you opened them and then you faced them. Because people, I didn't realise how much people found the post coming so frightening. But obviously, if you think you're going to have to pay something and you've no money whatsoever, it is very frightening. And do you provide people that can come alongside those who find themselves getting into debt? Yeah, we find people that they can connect with and help them out of debt. And, uh, you know, like there is the Money, Bunny, Money Buddies, which is a great organisation that are at St Vincent's and they find local spots for people to come for them to help them with the situation of debt. And what um, you're yeah. helping us to see is that one aspect of living in poverty is fear, fear of the envelope, the brown yeah. envelope, fear of not being able to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. What other fears are there for people living in poverty? Um, fear of the electric running out before they can buy some more. Fear of the gas running out before they can afford to get more gas. Fear of not having food to feed the children or feed themselves, even if they're a single person. You know, how how they're going to get the fear of how to get from one week to the next. I think that causes immense mental strain on a person. 
And you've lived in the community of Cross Green for over 30 years. Yes. How has poverty changed in that time? Poverty's changed quite a lot in that time. I feel that there was always hidden poverty, but then as time's gone on, people have realised it's not just them in poverty, there's so much poverty that they've found that they have to reach out to someone or some organisation for help. You live in Cross Green. It's only a mile from the city centre, which is booming. How does it feel, the contrast between the wealth of the city centre and the poverty in Cross Green? Well, for someone that lives there, I feel that as time goes on, they don't notice it as much. But I think as you walk up East Street and you see the... you've just come from the city centre and you walk up East Street and there's the lovely offices and so on and there's a, you look depending which side of the road you're on you look down at the Royal Armouries you know at Leeds Dock as they call it now and you go around the corner and you're looking at all these different types of houses I think it really it's in face that we're going from one extreme to the other. And like I said, the lack of social housing is so apparent now because people are paying a large amount of their wages out and the housing they're getting is not... It's not worth what they're paying, but people are making do with it. And I think that's because we live in an area which is so near the city centre, so a lot of the work is in hospitality or restaurant work and some of the lower-paid jobs. And I think that is causing the big divide. In my conversation with Tom Reardon, the chief executive, I used the picture of what I call urban diabetes. I'm a diabetic, and mm. the blood, the wealth, circulates around the centre, mm. around the heart of the city, but fails to get out to the limbs, to the outer reaches, to the mm. outer estates. It seems to me that what you've described is exactly that, the urban diabetes and your call for social housing is about, as it were, opening those valves up yeah. so that the wealth of the city can actually spread out into the outer estates. Yeah, I think you're quite right there. And I think it would be really good if we could get back to that you know, where there weren't such a big divide and the big divide is so obvious that, you know, we have these places that are just so out of reach for some people, you know, that I'd really have to think about it. And it just... Yeah, you're right, the urban diabetes. You're involved in the Wednesday lunch group. We've talked about that. 
There's also Growing Together that you're involved in. Growing Together started in 2014. It was Pete Tatum from High Park Source. It were his vision. At that time, High Park Source were looking for spare land for people to grow on and garden and make the environment better. So we started there in 2014 on this little railway bridge which is a walkthrough for Cross Green. It takes you, you know, right up to Richmond Hill and so on. And we started there and um, we enjoyed it. We got it going and High Park Source stayed with us as we were offered a bigger piece of land. So we've been there now going on eight years and we grow and share all this produce with our community and our neighbours and now we have a hub that we have healthy holidays and that's when all the children come at the school holidays and we're supported by community foundation for the funding at Easter we'll have four days so we'll have to have two groups so how many children come all together on the 20, holidays? 20 children will get two days. So that means we'll have 40 children. So this hope, it's been a great asset to us because the children used to come garden with us every week. But obviously we didn't have the amenities like we've got a proper kitchen so we can cook from what we've got in the garden. Um, we have activity workers. We go on trips. And what does that mean to the local community to have this? Oh, it's amazing. They love it. The, the children really enjoy it. They're outside because, obviously, back-to-back -back houses, they don't have a garden. Some of them don't even have a little yard. So there's all that space. It's been amazing for our community to have something like this. And your work with these groups and also your work on the Commission, do you feel that your own experience has helped you to understand people in poverty? Yeah, I feel that all of a sudden, when the housing stock changed, that you realise that people are living in a very small space. They haven't very much money. And I think it was just answering a need. You saw the change, the change in people, that they weren't really existing too well even. And do you feel it's getting worse? I mean, we've got the rise in food prices, the rise in fuel prices. <coughs> I feel, yeah. I feel in the last six weeks that we've given out so many more, more emergency food parcels. So it's like a food bank as well, is it? On a Wednesday. Well, just a small emergency one. It's not on the scale of when we was doing... In COVID, we were a food hub. So obviously we've made sure... 
at that time that we'd got fresh produce, fresh milk, fresh bread, you know, along with the other store cupboard items. People listening to this podcast, Mary, uh, may never have been to a food bank or received a food parcel. Can you describe what somebody feels when they come through the door to ask for and receive a food parcel? I think most people have to really psych themselves up to do it. Because? Because it's a very undignified thing for people to admit that they're not coping or they feel very ashamed that they can't feed themselves. And I think it takes a lot to come. But because we're a church, they know they can turn to a church. And if you're a refugee or asylum seeker, you're always made welcome at our church, no matter where you come from or what your faith is, your religion is. If you've got a problem, I think they know that is where to come to a church. And what do you feel when somebody comes through <coughs> when somebody comes through the door looking for friendship, yeah. support? What's going through your heart and mind as you see them come towards you? When I see them coming towards me, I feel really glad that we've got an open door and they've got somewhere to come. And a, a warm welcome and someone that will listen and not judge. It gives me a sense of that I'm doing something right. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just being there because we struggled for four years because we didn't have a priest in Cross Green. And I, I really felt that I know they call it a deprived area. Obviously, us living there just call it our area. <laughs> but um, I think for a deprived area, for for people to know that there's pastoral care there, I think it means a great deal. And we have a priest that's very connected to, to community, that walks around the community, and we're very grateful for him. You said you feel glad. Mm. Does it ever break your heart? Oh, yeah, you can be heartbroken. And for people, you know what I mean? You can. It really can pull on your heartstrings. So what makes you do it? I think... What makes me do it is knowing that there's a need for pe for us to do it and also that people just need a consistent person in their lives or if this it makes it easier for people because you live in a place so you're more approachable and if, like I said, we've always been in the same place for 10 years now for us lunches, and I think the word goes out, you know. And does faith mean a lot to you? Is that part of why you do it? 
Well, I think faith and mission go together, don't they? So I think that helps us keep going. When you say faith and mission. mission yeah. Oh. I mean, the mission, the faith is spiritual. The mission is quite practical. And I think they go together. That's a great definition. I think a few theologians could uh, <laughs> listen to that and, and benefit from Well, uh, that. that's my way of thinking, yeah. but it might not be everyone's, yeah. you know, because everyone will never think the same or have the same opinion. But I think as pulling together and having a priest and having so many good people, good people around us that are there to help, I think... That helps the community. Living in the community, listening to people's stories, sometimes they will say that people in authority don't understand mm. why have they done this and why have they done yeah. that. And there you are in between mm. the people in the community where you live and the people who run the city on the council. There you are as one of the commissioners of the Truth Poverty Commission. Do you ever feel, why don't these people just listen to me? Do you ever feel angry with people in authority? You, you can feel angry and frustrated because there's people that are in a really bad situation and you, it, you really think, why can't things go quicker? But I think that's what frustrates people that are in a situation that things take so much time and then they have to go from one department to another department or another one and I think it's too overwhelming. Is it ever overwhelming for you because in many ways you're the in-between person? Mm. There you are on behalf of the community, explaining to those in authority what the community is going through. And there you are on behalf of the authorities, explaining back to the community mm. what they're trying to do. Do you ever feel sort of isolated, occupying that sort of middle ground? No, not really. Because I think I'm fortunate that there's always someone to go to that can help or try and ease the situation. But I think some people just find it really difficult to do it on their own, you know, because they'll say, well, someone rung me up, but I don't know where they were from. And that's how it all gets confused. And it's not an easy process to navigate anyway for anyone. And I think it makes it very difficult. And I think that's how they sometimes slip back and get isolated because it overwhelms them so much that there's so many different agencies or whatever that they need to go through to get some help. Some years ago, I was involved in what was called New Deal for Communities, which was about putting local communities in the driving seat, showing how the local community could be uh, regenerated. And I know especially the local mums who served 
on the board of New Deal for Communities. I know they sometimes found it difficult because people in the community felt that they had almost sold out to them by actually joining this official organisation. Does that ever happen? Um, It can happen quite easily because I remember when everything was called public consultation and everyone said, oh, that means they've decided already. (laughs) And it is is quite off-putting, you know, in a way, because... You th- they're asking for your ideas and your input, but then you don't see it happen. And I think that makes people just step away. How do we get round that? Um, I don't know how we get round that in some areas. In a way, we, we're fortunate in that respect as well because we have had very good local councillors. So I think that helps carry your voice. If I could give you a magic wand now Mm. and say, listen, you've got three wishes. (laughs) What would you be wishing for in order to address the troubles that you see in your own local community or indeed across Leeds as a a, uh, Truth Poverty Commissioner? More social housing uh, a much a much better transport system, and keeping our schools and helping the schools as much as they can. I think that'd be what I'd like. I don't know if it'll happen, but I'd love that to happen. I can see Mary why they call you the angel of Cross Green. I'm sure some people don't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Mary Brennan. Thank you so much. Staying with the Trouble is brought to you by the William Temple Foundation and Leeds Church Institute. The interviews were recorded at Chapel FM in Seacroft. The series was produced by Rosie Dawson.